You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Hey there, welcome back to the SPED Prep Academy podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer, and this podcast was created to guide special educators in their journey to become amazing teachers. My goal is to provide you with the support and training you need to become a highly effective, highly successful special educator. If special education is your calling and you are in it for the long haul, then this is the place to be, and I'm going to be right by your side helping you learn everything you can about being a great special educator and how to become a stronger leader for your staff. Whether you are just starting out in this field and are struggling with how to supervise and train your staff, or if you have been working in your position for a while and need some advice for how to begin building your department into a true team, I can help. I've created a 10-step guide to begin creating a team culture with your staff, and you can get it for free at www.spedprepacademy.com team. It includes 10 easy-to-implement steps to learn how to build the team you've always dreamed of, and I can speak from experience when I say that these 10 steps completely transformed my leadership abilities just a few short years ago. I went from feeling frustrated, burned out, and resentful because of things like my parents were coming to school late, they were being on their phones all the time, they weren't where they were scheduled to be, or they were constantly bickering with each other to becoming highly confident in my leadership skills, knowing how to clearly communicate with my staff and building relationships that aided in high retention rates and just overall happy paras. And I want that for you as well. So again, just go to www.spedprepacademy.com team and get access to those 10 steps for free. Today's episode is dedicated to something that I imagine a lot of special educators take for granted. I know I did. It's something that occurs often, but not so often to really think about the procedures you have in place when it does happen. And that is what to do when you get a new student on your caseload. In fact, for me, I have never really even given a single thought to making sure I had a plan in place for when a new student is placed within my classroom. Instead, I'm usually running around frantically trying to get things ready, read over the IEP, adjust schedules, and figuring out how this child's needs will be met in an already chaotic environment. Now, it could be that you know the child is coming ahead of time, which gives you plenty of time to plan and prepare properly. Some parents are highly aware of the need to inform the incoming school about their child's needs, but sadly, that's not always the case. For me, I usually have a couple of days notice because of the way our enrollment center works. They can see if the child has an active IEP, and then they let the receiving teacher know. But I have had a few cases where the IEP was missed ahead of time, and they just started in my classroom immediately. Luckily, today's guest has done the prep work for us. Fabiana from the Autism Advantage is here to share her steps and processes of what to do to make a new student and their family feel welcome and helps us put together a plan of action for the next time you receive a new student. So let's welcome Fabiana. Well, hey, Fabiana, welcome to the SPED Prep Academy podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Before we get started, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell the listeners about your journey in special education so far. Great. So um, my name is Fabiana. I'm from Autism Advantage. I'm a teacher in Toronto, Canada, so up north to the States. I teach in a self-contained class. We don't call them self-contained up here, but just for everybody's understanding, a self-contained class. I've got learners in my class from kindergarten all the way to the seventh grade, so a huge variety. Um, I work with two uh, paraprofessionals. They're amazing. 
Uh, and we have a really great time getting to know our learners and trying to meet their needs, IEPs and all that fun stuff. It's funny you say that. We were just, I was just talking to Whitney from Rooted in Resource before you and I got on and she said the same thing. She couldn't live without her paraprofessionals. And I said, it, it never fails. Every time I have a conversation with a SPED teacher, we always end up talking about our paraprofessionals. And there's a good reason for that because we couldn't do our job without them. So that's kind of funny. So true. So I didn't tell you how I came across your Instagram page. And so, you know, those, those red solo cups that, you know, have the numbers on them. Yep. I have been teaching for 27 years and that activity has been a staple in my classroom the entire time. I use them every single year. I pull out my red solo cups and I've even, you know, gone as far as, you know, Velcroing the number to it. And so I use them for number recognition. I use them for counting manipulatives, sequencing the numbers. And it's just it's a very simple activity, but it is so effective. So I was so, I was so pleased, I guess, to see that someone else, you know, much younger than me was still using things like that. Oh, yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, my paras actually created that activity themselves, like from many years ago. So it's been in our rotation for so long. We love it. Well, people are gonna have to check that out um, to see what I'm talking about. But I got to watching after I after I saw that post, I got to watching your reels. And I have been quite entertained by you. You you like to put out that content and one reel that caught my attention was the one where you talked about what you do to prepare and welcome a new student to your classroom. And I realized that I've never addressed that topic on the show before. And so, because it really does happen more often than you'd think, you know, you get a phone call or an email saying that you're getting a student the next day and bam, you've got to be ready to go because I'm not sure if all teachers realize this or not, but we have to it's law that, you know, we, we start serving that kid immediately. And so we don't have, we don't have a week or two to wait and go through paperwork and all of that. So it is definitely a process and you're kind of put on the spot. So I think it's a really good topic to share with the listeners. Yeah, totally. Um, up in our district over here, we've been going back and forth from remote learning to in-person to remote. So we're getting new students that haven't been in a full year of school almost ever at this point. We're like in year three of the pandemic. So I was thinking with our parents, I'm like, we really need to talk about how we transition a new student in because we live in this crazy new post-pandemic world and things have to change a little bit. That's where that reel came from. And it was fun to make. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you agreed to be a guest on the show and to you can tell us all the things that we need to know about getting a new student. So what are some of the things that you do to prepare for a new student? Okay, so the number one thing that we usually do is first meet with family. So everything that I do, I do them in the team with our paras in the classroom, sometimes OT and SLP, so OT and speech, uh, and our administration. So we usually meet with the family, get to know the child a little bit, get to know the family dynamics, uh, see where that all is coming from. And then we, uh, the second thing that we do is we work on transportation. So in our district, all kids in um, our self-contained classes are um, taxied in. So we kind of deal with that, work work through that. Uh, and then we have, we meet the child. So they come in for a little visit, check out our room. Everybody's always so excited with the toys and the new fun stuff. And then we see just sort of like preliminary behaviors, you know, some of those things creeping out. So we make some some notes on where we're going to sort of baseline and get started. Then we meet together as a team and we come up with some fun stuff for them. So we'll try to 
let bring out some preferred activities if they're really into Paw Patrol. Then we'll make sure that we've got some Paw Patrol books out or whatever it is that they're into. We try to kind of have that set for the first day. Um, And then we just keep it really chill and low expectation for the first couple of days so we can get to know them, baseline them. And then we sort of go from there. That's sort of our post-COVID way of doing things. Before COVID, we were able to have the families come in for a tour and really sit down with them. But now everything's done virtually. So it's a little bit different. So what types of things are you doing to determine their preferred activities? So Do you just ask questions? Yeah, exactly. So we've got some questionnaires that we usually go through with the family. And we just try to get a sense of uh, what their child likes and dislikes and that kind of stuff. So it is heavily parent, guardian focused at first. And then we kind of do our own preference assessment in class during the first week that we've got the students. So we've got a bunch of different activities and they usually start to gravitate towards a couple of different things. So we can take note of it just uh, so we can kind of create a bank of preferred activities, which would really help us when we're trying to engage in learning time or behavior modification, that kind of stuff. So we, we have a couple different ways that we deal with that. Great. And do you automatically retest a student or do you just use the current testing that's on their current IEP? So it depends where they're coming from. If they're coming from a school within our district um, and our districts are, are basically uh, governed by like a province, sort of like a state. Um, so it's all pretty much the same. So if they're coming from a school in our, let's say, state, then no, we don't have to retest. But if they're coming from a school out of state, then we have to, we would have to go through the academic testing again, work with the psychologist to do that. That's exactly the way we do it. If they come from within our state, we just go with that IEP. And then if they come from out of state, then we, we retest. So it's good to know that it's done that way, at least in two different places anyway. So I'm always curious how this works in other districts and buildings and it it might not apply to you because you do teach self-contained, but I teach resource. And so when they're coming into me and they're needing to be put into a general education classroom, you know, be on their, their roster, then my principal always lets me choose for the most part, what teacher I want that child to go with so that it helps with scheduling and things like that. So I didn't know, um, of course, that's not something that you're having to deal with, but I was kind of just curious about how all that works. I know that not every principal is going to be that, you know, understanding or that um, helpful, but that's just something that I, I guess the listeners might want to check into when they're getting a new student is to, to see where that child's going to be placed and see if they could have any input there. Yeah, definitely. At my school, that's exactly how it works. So our re- we have three resource teachers, one for primary junior, one for kindergarten, and one for intermediate. And they do the same thing. If they'll get a new student, they sort of decide which teacher might uh, lend themselves best to the particular student coming in. And we do the exact same thing. Perfect. So do you ever involve other students when welcoming a new one? So it, de- it just totally depends on the caseload for that year. So with my class, I will often get students for many years. So let's, if they come to me in kindergarten, they'll likely be in my class until about grade three. So it depends on where we're at throughout the year. If it's meaningful for my other students to engage in those activities and if it's 
I'm able to sort of bring it to a level of uh, that they can understand, then totally we do things together. We always have discussions and read social stories and that kind of thing, um, just to get them prepared to see a new face and and maybe understand a little bit that the attention might not be fully on the other students for a little while while we get to know our new student. Um, but like I said, it just totally depends on the year and the amount of students and who we've got in our room that time. But ideally, yes, in some way. Well, I I, I see this as two different um, you know areas as far as you're being self-contained and me being resource because I think for my students who are more significant and who have like an AAC device or um, don't communicate as well, I see those social stories being very important. And even adding that new child's name and picture into their device, I think that would be a great thing to do there. And then as far as resource, um, I like to buddy them up or assign them a friend who's going to be a good role model for them so that they can have an immediate person that they can feel like they're connected with and they have a friend in and they can ask questions too. So that's kind of how I do it for the resource aspect of it. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. So what you mentioned the parents meeting with the parents and the family. So what specific things do you do to help yourself get to know them better or to be able to communicate with them on a regular basis? So we always joke that we're like a family and if they're not part of the family, they don't feel part of it in the beginning, they will feel part of the family eventually. So we, I communicate daily with our parents by email and uh, if need be phone conversations, but every parent in, in my caseload this year love email. So we're doing pretty much everything through email. Just a quick note, good day. This is what we worked on. This is what we're noticing. This was kind of different today. Keep your eye out on it. So we've got that daily communication going. We've got um, two meetings a year that we meet about IEP. So we do that now virtually via Zoom or Google Meet or something like that. And then we've got our parent-teacher interview nights. So we've got some set times throughout the year that we are meeting in addition to our daily communication. And a lot of our classes here, luckily enough, this doesn't often happen, are walkers. So they actually, um, their parents drop them off to school. So we actually get to have that face-to-face every day, which is honestly such a blessing because usually um, if kids are taxied in, we don't get to see that face-to-face interaction every day. So we've been pretty lucky the last couple of years. Yeah, having those parent connections are so important. I know there's a there's a mom who I've had her son since he's in fifth grade now and I've had him since first grade. And he she is in the, the car line every single day. And it's like she waves at me like we haven't seen each other in years every single day for, for five years now. So it's, it's amazing those relationships that that you build with parents. And so I'm, I'm glad that that is a part of your routine is to get to know them, you know, better and to make them feel, feel as, as part of your family. Yeah. It's the best. So we mentioned paraprofessionals and we could, we could not do our job without them. I have seven, um, we have we run you know a resource room and we have a lot of inclusion so we have a lot of staff but are there things that you do intentionally to help your paraprofessionals prepare for a new student yeah so we like i said before we pretty much work as a team in all aspects so they're a part of every meeting they're a part of our reporting process and our development of the IEP it's interesting because they've both both been in this class for like 20 years so <laughs> they're teaching me 
all the things that like, we joke about it all the time. They're like my moms <laughs> in the classroom. So we really work as a team. And so to what I would do to prepare is what we kind of all do together. So all the things that we we're kind of talking about, we do it together. So it's not like I have to sit the sit down and be like, okay, guys, this is this is what we're doing. This is what's going on because they're really a part of the whole process, like with me, which I love. Not everybody does it like that, but that's how I choose to do yeah. it, and it really works for us. I think as far as time, you know, when you have a large caseload and that many paraprofessionals, it would be hard for me to include them on everything. But we definitely you know, sit them down and go over all of the major things that need to be discussed, you know, medication, behavior, um, toileting needs, all those things. We, we have a sit down with our paras to make sure that all of that's communicated. And we do like to introduce our paras to the parents because a lot of times they're that contact, you know, they're the ones putting them in the car or they're the ones um, communicating after school about something that went on. So we want the parents to, to know our paras and to feel like, they are just as much of a teacher to their child as we are. Absolutely. I'm on the same page with you on that one. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to share. You know, like I said, this topic has not even, it hasn't even crossed my mind to to have an episode on it. So I appreciate you coming on here and I will continue to follow your reels. I, I love them. You're just such a, you have such a sweet smile and just a bubbly personality. So I, I just truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Honestly, I started the Instagram account just sort of as a joke because I like to post funny things and and people were asking me for resources. So I said, oh, maybe I'll just post it on Instagram and it's doing really well. So I'm going to keep posting ideas and keep sharing and I'm just having a great time. So thank you so much for having me. This is this was such a cool experience for me. Well, you're welcome. So can you tell the listeners how they can find you on Instagram? Yep. So I'm on Instagram at autism.advantage. Um, yeah. Come follow me. Say hello. And then do you also sell on Teachers Pay Teachers? Yes. I just started a TPT account and you can find me at Autism Advantage. Awesome. I started my store in 2016 and uh, it's just, it is such an addictive thing is just being able to provide resources for other special educators. It really isn't even about the money, you know, at this point, it's just helping other teachers learn. So I'm glad that you're on there and I can't wait to look for those resources. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great evening. Bye. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell just by listening to this show that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and you want to grow into an amazing educator. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. They give an instant boost to my ego and they help others find the podcast as well. And then make sure you're following me on Instagram. I love to use that platform to add a little humor to our crazy days, as well as to provide you with motivation to get through the tough days, training on all sorts of topics that we need to know, and just overall support for what you do. You can find me on Instagram at Sped Prep Academy, and I've recently got into making some reels. They are way out of my comfort zone, but they are so fun to make. So make sure you check that out. If you liked what you heard today and realized you have found your Sped soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.